question everything. Welcome all you creeps to murder on the Welcome back to Murder on the 420 Express. Surprise, surprise, some new things are happening here and Mandy is no longer with us as she posted on our Instagram at Murder on the 420 that she is uh, taking a leave of absence. So um, it is just going to be me solely giving you some crazy kooky stories with some special guests here and there. Uh, Today I have one of my longtime friends that I used to work with, uh, Zach. Hello, this is Zach. Um, He's going to be here with me while I discuss the Axeman of New Orleans. Um, And so normally how we start start these podcasts is with a strain of the day so we can get stoned and mind blown and listen to some horror stories. Um, So today... Um, we are going to talk about blue hash plant, which is a awesome strain of the day. Yeah. So I got it here from our local dispensary here in Reno called the Dispensary of Reno. And, um, courtesy of Leafly, this is the description of the beautiful, beautiful flower. I don't know what I'm doing. It's fine. So the colorful hues <laughs> and sweet flavors of blueberry blended together with the resin pro- production and hardiness of California hash plant to create blue hash or blueberry hash. The aroma is a mixture of fresh berries with a pungent earthy finish. Blue hash produces a powerfully relaxing effect that is a great way to unwind at the end of a long day or at night before bedtime. Medicinal patients will appreciate blue hash's ability to combat insomnia and suppress stress, which I was having trouble sleeping Mm -hmm. the last two nights. Um, And then when I got this strain from the dispensary, I actually had probably one of the best night sleeps of my life. It was ridiculous. This sounds like something I would get at Tahoe. Meet a random, random hippie person. They come up to you and like, you having trouble sleep? Here, try this. Here, <laughs> try this, man. Totally. So that's one of our strains of the day. Um, the effects you get are uplifted, relaxed, happy, euphoric, and sleepy. Medicinal is stress. It combats stress, insomnia, pain, depression, and fatigue. The negative effects are solely dry mouth and dry eyes. Um, the flavors you'll get are blueberry, citrus, and sweet. It does not smell that way. It does not smell that way? No, it, it, to me it didn't, but... Some people might enjoy that smell. They might, yeah. So, are you ready to talk about the Axe Man? Yes, specifically the smell. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine being, like an axe serial killer, but it's not the axe that you think of. He just got axe, can a can, and a flamethrower. Just like, surprise, wake up, dead. Surprise, <laughs> wake up, dead. Like, that's, that's all I'm imagining from the axe man, because you want to be awake. To, he wants them to see, the, see themselves burn. 
<laughs> he's, he's not like, he's, you don't want to wake up. Oh, what's that smell? And why is it hot? Well, it's funny that you say wake up because oh. the axe man actually killed his victims while they were sleeping in their beds with their own axe. So I was actually just about to say that. So it's this dark man or like, not like dark man, but like a dark figure that would go around because this is what the victims would say um, that they saw was a dark like figure man or woman wielding people. an axe. We're, we're non-binary here. It's a, it's a person. It's a figure. I'm not assuming his gender. Exactly. <laughs> Their gender. Pronouns <laughs> um, are hard. They are a little bit. So, let's get started. So, the murders of the Axemen, or Axeman, sorry, started in between 1918 through 1919. And it was an occurrence that happened over a course of 18 months. Um, Could I have two babies in that time frame? <laughs> well, one of the victims actually did have a baby. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yes. So he was known as the boogeyman as well. There were no known robberies. Um, a bloody axe was left at the scene every single time. Um, and normally it was the axe of the people who owned or the people who were the victims. They owned that axe that was left there. Um, mainly the axe man's victims were Italian immigrants. Ah, that explains it. So um, you get better cologne. Leading to believe many of the crimes were ethnically motivated. Um, another as well is, is that perhaps he was a sadist, uh, specifically seeking female victims. So if he was seeking a female victim, if they were married, obviously their husband would have been a victim as well. Mm -hmm. But let's start with our victims. Can you imagine that conversation, honey? Did you bring the axe in? Because you know there's a murderer going around. I brought the axe in. And then you wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm sorry I lied. It's, I lied? I, I lied. Obviously, we all made mistakes here. <laughs> we all make mistakes. I, I couldn't believe that. Like, oh, there's an axe man going around here. Around these parts here. Yeah, bring your axe in. Make sure you lock your doors. It, did they even have locks back in the day? That's probably what they use the axe for. It's like, I don't have a lock. Let's just put the stick in between the handle. That's the worst mistake ever. It, so, yeah. the first victim was Joseph M Maggio. Maggio? Ma Maggio, Maggio. Joe. I'm Italian. You would think I know how to say these things. I'm only thinking Joe DiMaggio or something That's like what that. I'm thinking, but it's you, not. It's Maggio. You have to do the hands or else it doesn't... Say DiMaggio with the hands. Do DiMaggio. It. There you go. <laughs> it works. It. No, it's not DiMaggio. It's Maggio. Oh, Maggio. Maggio. See? And you have the hands. You're doing it it's, well. Okay. Was an Italian grocer okay, <laughs> who cool. was attacked... May 22nd, 1918. That's the first encounter with the Axeman. Um, while sleeping alongside his wife, Catherine, at their home on the corner of Upper Lane, Upper Line and Magnolia Streets, where they conducted a barroom and grocery, the killer broke into the home and then proceeded to cut the couple's throat with a straight razor. Upon leaving, he bashed their heads in with an axe perhaps in order to conceal the real cause of death. Joseph survived the, the attack, but died minutes after being discovered by his brothers, Jake and Andrew Maggio. 
Catherine died prior to the brother's arrival. Um, so that was the first murder, or set of murders. Probably got his inspiration from Sweeney Todd. It's like, I can't lure you in for shaving, but I have this razor blade. How old is Sweeney Todd? I don't know, pretty old. I think around that time, like, they probably based it off of Jack the Ripper. I could totally see that. I mean, Jack the Ripper was considered a boogeyman in his own sense, right? Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, The second set of murders was Louis Bessemer and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, were attacked in the early morning hours of June 27th, 1918, in the quarters of the back of his grocery, which was located at the corner of DiGiorno, I don't know how to DiGiorno. say that. DiGiorno. DiGiorno, oh, no, that. <laughs> uh, DiGiornius? DiGiornius and Lepard streets. Um, Bussemer was struck with a hatchet above his right temple, which resulted in a possible skull fracture. Lowe was attacked under the left ear and found unconscious when police arrived at the scene. Um... The couple was discovered shortly after 7 a.m. on the morning of the attack by John Zan- Zanka, a driver of a bakery wagon who had come to the grocery in order to make a routine delivery. Can you just imagine? I got some fresh buns. Oh, holy crap. What happened to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> like this, everyone's happy to see this man. Everyone loves bread. And this is all Italian people. Italian people love yeah, it goes it's great really hard everything. to kick. Yeah, it's good bread. But imagine that that's your job, is everyone's always happy. The bread man's here, and he always has, he's the jolly man, and he sees people dead. That's, not the milkman, though. Not the milkman. The milkman's like, you're sleeping with my wife, I know it. Yeah, <laughs> obviously that man had a mistress. Was words different back then? <laughs> Huh? Were words different? It's like, she's not your wife, she's your mistress. I have no idea. It's like, they think that, like, oh, she's not your wife, you're just fooling around. She's got a Possibly. Mistress. Well, anyways, so, believe it or not, because he found the body, most of um, police investigators during that time actually thought he's the one who committed the murder. So. <laughs> I'm just imagining this, yeah, the Chef ID looking guy has got like this awesome Italian mustache, the top hat and everything. He's like, I was framed. Why was that Count Dracula? That was horrible. I was yeah. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. Yeah, the axe which belonged to Bussemer himself was found in the bathroom of the apartment. Bussemer later stated to police that he had been sleeping when he was bashed with the hatchet. Almost immediately, police arrested potential suspect Louis uh, Ubicon and a then 41-year-old African-American man who had been employed by Bussemer's store just a week before the attacks. No evidence existed which could have proven the man guilty, yet police arrested him nonetheless, stating that Ubicon um, Uribe, U, no, Uribe Khan offered conflicting accounts of his whereabouts on the morning of the attacks. I mean, during that time, especially in Louisiana or even New Orleans, like, right. wouldn't you get, like, like, you're a man of color, wouldn't you get, like, I don't know where I was, sir, like, yeah. I... 
I'm pretty sure I was. Wait, no, I think I was over here. I was everywhere. I'm so scared right now. <laughs> like, don't don't do this to me. I'm I'm everywhere. So is the axe man. Yeah, that's Apparently. what makes it bad. It's like dark figure. It's you. It's like you know the guy could be wearing a sheet. You don't know. There's dark sheets out there. True. True that. True that. All right. So Anna Schneider was attacked in the early, this is the second set, set, no, third. This is the third set of murders. He's not batting very well for people that are sleeping. Like, you think his batting average would be good. How much of a fight would they put up? Well, you have to think, he's killing them with an axe. Like, how, this actually makes you think, like, Hollywood, are you really telling the truth here? Like, when you throw an axe, does it really kill that person? Does it? But does it? Sure so, if it's sharp this is the lady that gave birth oh, after geez. her attack. So, Anna Schneider was attacked in the early evening hours of August 5th, 1918. Oh, crap, the eight, uh, months pregnant 28 year old of elmira street awoke to find a dark figure standing over her and was bashed in the face repeatedly her scalp had been cut open and her face was completely covered in blood mrs schneider was discovered after midnight by her husband ed schneider who was returning late from work uh, Schneider claimed that she remembered nothing of the attack and gave birth to a healthy baby girl two days after the incident. Her husband told police that nothing was stolen from the home besides six or seven dollars that had been in his wallet. That was a lot of money back then. Excuse me, her husband told police that nothing was stolen from the home besides the six or seven dollars that had been in his wallet. He wasn't even home for the murder or for the attack. So how could he be like, how could his money get so, I'm confused. He probably wanted to get it from the cops. So it was like, are you guys going to reimburse me on that? What do I got to do to get my money back? There was no forced, and right? Yeah, you know, I'm smart. I mean, they have all of that like hostage money, right? Mm -hmm. So then did the event that the Axeman committed, did that send her into pre-labor? Yeah. It would have, yeah. Um, The windows and doors of the apartment had not been forced open and authorities came to the conclusion that the woman was most likely attacked with a lamp that had been on a table nearby. Talk about Hollywood. That would suck. Can you imagine? Just need to knock him out real quick. Where's the lamp? I need the lamp. It's going to knock him out. I know. Can you imagine how heavy those things were back then too? Probably just all glass. Oh, no. So they would have like been kerosene metal. lamps. Oh. If you think about it, they're not like electrical lamps. They're kerosene lamps. That so, would have been terrifying. Yeah, so yeah. Hollywood wouldn't have known about it yet. It's like, ah, uh, need to get the porcelain lamps. That's, that's too aggressive for us. True. So, let's see. Joseph Romano is the... I lost count. Of how many victims is Joseph Romano? Number four um, was an elderly man living with his two nieces, Pauline and Mary Bruno. On August 10th, 1918, Pauline and Mary awoke to the sound of commotion in the adjoining room where their uncle resided. Upon entering the room, the sisters discovered that their uncle had taken a serious blow to his head. 
which resulted in two open cuts. The assailant was fleeing the scene as they arrived, yet the girls were unable to distinguish that he was a dark-skinned, heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and a slouch hat. Romano, although seriously injured, was able to walk to the ambulance once it arrived, yet died two days later due to severe head trauma. This is around the time when men had to be like, I'm not allowed to cry even with two wounds in my face. Don't look at me. I'm, <laughs> I'm walking to that ambulance, maybe 10 steps. He I'm still walking. had his dignity till yeah. the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of like defeats the theory of that it was going, like the Axeman was going after women because he just attacked an elderly person. Or maybe he's just that type of sadistic person that goes after people who are weaker than him. I mean, that's always a possibility, too. Yeah. It's branching out. Yeah. Yeah. All I'm imagining is a heavy set man that's walking, that's running at walking speed, breathing heavily like, oh, God. Yeah. Need to get in shape to do these murders. <laughs> <laughs> he's all looking at himself in the mirror, and he's like, God. <laughs> I've let myself go. <laughs> This hat will cover everything up. I'll be good. I'll just wear some darker clothes. Exactly. That'll make me look slimmer. <laughs> it's all about perception. Exactly. All right. So, Charles Cortil... God, these names are so hard to pronounce. It doesn't help that I suck at English. Well, that's probably why, that's probably why he really started killing them. He's like, he probably worked in customer service and he tried to say their names. And it's like, you know what? I have your address. You annoyed me so much, and your name's just a pain in the ass. I'm coming for you. So Charles, I'll call him Charles C., Mr. C., was an immigrant who lived with his wife, Rosie, and an infant daughter, Mary, on the corner of Jefferson Avenue and 2nd Street in Gretina, Gretana, Louisiana. Gretana, Gretana. A New Orleans suburb across the Mississippi (laughs) River. On the night of March 10th, 1919, a whole, like, God, what is that? He attacked them March 19th, 1919, when the last attack on Joseph Romano was August 10th, 1918. He took a solid fucking break. He was working out. He was working out. (laughs) He he knew. He's like, oh, I need to get in shape. Uh, I mean, yeah. Let's see. Uh... What happened with this one? Did he, did his workouts help him? Let's see. On the night of March 10th, 1919, screams were heard coming from the C's residence. Grocers Lorando Giordano rushed across the street to investigate. Upon his arrival, Giordano noticed that Charles, his wife, and their daughter had all been attacked by the unknown intruder. Rosie stood in the doorway with a serious head wound, clutching her deceased daughter. Mm -mm. Charles lay on the floor, bleeding profusively. The couple was rushed to Charity Hospital, where it was discovered that both had suffered skull fractures. Nothing was stolen from the house, but a panel on the back door had been chiseled away or chiseled away, and a bloody axe was found on the back porch of the home. I told you, I'm not good at English. (laughs) Well, to be fair, a lot of these words are French, so they're just throwing curveballs at you left and right. They're, I mean, yeah. 
It's a different type of French, though. New Orleans was French. Uh, French. French. Yes. It was French. It was. It was a. Uh, it was a uh, French-born. It was. That's very true. Um, so, March thirteenth, nineteen nineteen. Three days later. Three days later, the Axeman sent a letter to the newspaper. And this is why I mainly have these papers here so that I can read it because it's pretty dope. That's so dope. it is dope. It's hella long, but it's dope. All right. Um, he sent a letter to the newspaper. Um, a letter per, 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 portraying to be from the Axeman was published in the newspaper saying that he would kill again at 15 minutes past midnight on the night of March 19th, but would spare the occupants of any place where a jazz band was playing. Sounds pretty reasonable, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, this is what the Axeman's letter said. Hell, March 13th, 1919. Esteemed mortal of the New Orleans, the Axeman. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense. I know I'm reasonable. <laughs> like, are you serious got right such now? a superiority complex. I know. Oh, I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigation in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only assume me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, excited. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At, at will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. God, is this guy Robert Frost? <laughs> oh my god! You know, on BuzzFeed Unsolved, Shane said that. He's like, what, what is this guy, Robert Frost? Isn't it the same time frame? I mean, I think so. Oh, my God. Like, it seriously reminds me of the Robert Fo Frost poem. Like, Jesus Christ. So he's sadistic, but at least he's well-read. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's an educated man. Yes. <laughs> now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time on next Tuesday night... I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition for you people. Here it is. 
I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the never, nether regions that every person shall be spared to whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time. I have just mentioned. If, anyone, if everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discussion. Closure, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. The Axe Man. I like how you kind of went into a New Orleans accent halfway through <laughs> and then it just sort of disappeared. It just trailed <laughs> off. It worked well. I feel the man that wrote that letter is a struggling musician. It's like, I need work. Everyone start hiring jazz musicians. I need work. I need work. <laughs> it's probably like the clarinet player that's like, no one thinks about the clarinet player in jazz. And he's like, I need work. Just, so I can he was anything. fat and he couldn't find work, so he started killing people. Yes. I mean, Perfect. that sounds reasonable, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to do CrossFit. Why else would you kill people? Exactly. Why I don't else? think CrossFit existed in that time frame. Well, he probably is the reason they invented it. Don't kill people. Do CrossFit. <laughs> Flip a tire. Exactly. <laughs> that don't. should be their new model. <laughs> don't kill people. Flip a tire. Don't kill people. <laughs> Flip a tire. <laughs> Ugh. So, all happy to say, nobody was killed that night. Hooray. He, he was working. He was working. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? All right. So following on August 10th, 1919, Steve Boca, a grocer, was attacked in his bedroom as he slept by an axe-wielding intruder. Boca awoke during the night to find a dark figure looming over his bed. Upon regaining consciousness, Boca ran to the street to investigate the intrusion and found that his head had been cracked open. Oh, well, did you see that? <laughs> How do you just now notice that shit? You run outside and you're just like, what is going on? And you're just bleeding profusely. <laughs> like, how do you find out when you hit the street that you're bleeding and your head is cracked open? Adrenaline. It's like, I feel a breeze. Oh, my God. I feel a breeze. <laughs> Nothing had been taken from the home, yet once again, Except. a panel on the back door of the, ha of the home had been chiseled away. Boca recovered from his injuries, but could not remember any details of the trauma. It should be noted that this attack took place after the emergence of the infamous Axeman letter. <sighs> that still fucking baffles me. How... You were sleeping, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you run out on the street. Like, I get adrenaline is a thing, but, like, you're sleeping. Well, Maybe a, you thought it was a dream. Yeah. As a, as a heavy sleeper myself, I honestly wouldn't notice anything. Wake up and be like, oh. Well, now I know. I can just, like, crack you over the head. Well, and you, you won't know. feel it. Exactly. It's good to know. Good mm -hmm. information. It's a new axe man here in Reno. <laughs> hey, we're, we're non-gender. God, the word. <laughs> Non-binary? Yeah. Non-binary? Non-binary. I was trying to mix the two. 
We're not identifying genders and we're non-binary at the same time. Boom. Two words together. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> what are words? Words are just but a thing. <laughs> All right. So, Sarah Lohman was attacked on the night of September 3rd, 1919. Neighbors came to check on the young woman who had lived alone and broke into the home when Lumen did not answer. They discovered the 19-year-old laying unconscious on her bed, suffering from severe head, a severe head injury and missing several teeth. Mm-hmm. The intruder who had, who had entered the apartment through a window and attacked the woman with a blunt object. The bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. Lumen recovered from her injuries, yet couldn't recall any details from the attack. How are these people living? Man's horrible. Yeah, he obviously is not doing a good job. He, he uh, Baseball is in its heyday right there, I'm just saying. And to be a good batter, you need to hit at least 30% of the balls. So is he a musician or an athlete? He's Pick all, one. He's uh, failed everything. That's why he resorted to <laughs> Is that to why murder. he's a bully? <laughs> I'm a failure, so I'm just going to murder yes. people? So Hitler. There you go. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> The Axeman is Hitler. Yeah, oh my god, he, secretly. Yeah. He doesn't have a good batting average. He's like hit like what, 10 people? And I like mean, it makes sense. A lot of Italians and Cubans, right? Cubans and Italians were baseball. Baseball athletes. Yeah. I think you may be onto something, Zach. To be fair, though, this is, this is like the worst serial killer ever because he <clears throat> made a person come or, to life. Like, two days later, after he killed someone, like, boom, another one came in the world. <laughs> no. Yeah. That is just a really strong woman. Yeah. yeah. That has nothing to do with him. So, moving on. The last known attack is Mike Pepitone. Um, he was attacked on the night of October 27th, 1919. His wife was awakened by a noise and arrived at the door of his bedroom with just as a large axe-wielding man was fleeing the scene. Mike Pepitone had been struck in his head and was covered in his own blood. Blood spatter covered the majority of the room, including the painting of the Virgin Mary. Mrs. Pepitone, the mother of six children, was unable to describe any characteristics of the killer. The Pepitone murder was the last of the alleged axe man attacks. Now, going into um this one mrs pepitone actually moved to los angeles and remarried but her her second husband actually died as well too so going into that we'll go into the theories one of those theories is because most of these were italians or at Italian immigrants or whatever mm-hmm. have you. A lot of speculation goes into that this was a mafia involvement. Huh. Starting stereotypes in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where it all started. Yeah. Um, and that was because of lack, I mean, mafia involvement despite lack of evidence. Um, solely because, yeah, stereotyping pretty much. Um... Another one of the theories is it was sexually motivated. Like I said earlier in the podcast, um, they thought he was a sadist and only killed the men if or when they were obstructed or obstructing his attempts to murder women. But that kind of goes against the grain of the older grandpa who got murdered instead of his two nieces. Did he have long hair? 
I don't know. Well, that could be a deciding He's mistaken factor. as a woman. Yes. It's the grandma. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last and final theory is that the murders were to promote jazz music. Oh, that's that a, a terrible way to promote music. Isn't it? You well, don't like jazz? Well, then you got to die. Well, you know. Well, it's almost the, like they know. say blues is the devil's music. You sell your soul to play blues. Devil's cabbage, everything like that. Everything has to devil's do with the devil. lettuce. Oh, cabbage, lettuce, same thing. <laughs> We're smoking on that right now, guys. I know, but still. <laughs> um, and in more mainstream, there was only one suspect out of all of these murders. There was only one suspect, and his name was Joseph Mumphrey. Um, Sorry, Joseph. 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 Oh, Joseph. Oh. <laughs> okay. Mainly attacked Italian grocers. Not many led, not many leads actually to who committed the murder. Um, so Joseph Mumphrey, a man shot to death in Los Angeles in December of 1920 um, by the widow of Mike Pepitone, the Axeman's last known victim. Wilson's theory had been widely repeated in other true crime books and websites. So Colin Wilson, um, who is a true crime writer, mm-hmm. uh, speculated that it was Joseph Mumphrey. And here's the reasons why. Um however true crime writer michael newton searched new orleans and los angeles public police and court records as well as newspaper archives and failed to find any evidence of a man with the name joseph mumphrey or a similar name having been assaulted or killed in los angeles newton also was was not able to find any information that mrs pepitone identified in some sources as Esther Al Albino and in others and others simply as a woman who claimed to be Pepitone's widow was arrested tried and convicted for such a crime or indeed had been in California Newton notes that Mumphrey was not an unusual surname in New Orleans at the time of the crimes it appears that there actually may have been an individual named Joseph Mumphrey or Mumphrey in New Orleans. Mumphrey. Uh, who had a criminal history and who may have been connected to organized crime. However, local records for the period had not been intensive enough to allow confirmation of this or the positively identified or to positively identify the individual. So, with that being said, I definitely feel like there is some sort of connection with the mafia, and I'm not saying that in any biased way because I'm Italian. But I can say it because I'm Italian. <laughs> <laughs> but I can definitely see where that where that's going with it. So, what do you think? She killed him with a gun, right? Yeah, she killed. So this guy, Joseph Mumphrey. Um, followed the widow of Mike Pepitone to Los Angeles, probably to, quote-unquote, finish a loose end, right? And she ended up killing him. But did the killing stop after she killed Mumphrey? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay. They they had already stopped after Mike Pepitone. Okay. So. What I'm imagining is. What really happened? Yeah, is he comes into the door with the axe. She's like, boom, gun beats axe and shoots. <laughs> she just full on just like. Gun beats axe. Yeah, she just full on was prepared. She's like, I know who you are. I got I got a gun now. I know. I moved to California. They have better gun laws. So well, they don't. They probably did back then. Um, but yeah, so that is pretty much all that I have. I mean, here's a map of where all of the killings took place in New Orleans. Um, I think it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to know that, like, I know lack of DNA evidence or like lack of technology, (laughs) you're not able to like locate certain people. But, like, the mafia is pretty good at covering up some jobs, so you never know. Being a cop at that time. Oh, look, the killer's pool of blood right there. What do we do with that? Hmm, gross. Let's mop mop it up. up. (laughs) Go on a clue. (laughs) Look for clues. That's terrible. Um, So, yeah, let's all remember to lock our doors. Keep Especially your axes. axes inside. Keep your axes inside. Um, hide your axe. Hide your wife. Because they're hacking up everybody yeah. in here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for the gentlemen, just just buy better cologne. Don't go with axe. Nobody likes an axe, man. We've come full circle. Yes, this is We've the come. definition. <laughs> Don't buy axe. Just, just buy something better. Yes, just go be dignified. Don't. Don't don't do that. Don't be don't be. We all know man. that the overwhelming scent lasts for probably about less than an hour, and then they have to reapply it yet again. Mm. It's not a lasting scent, guys. Just invest your money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> invest your money in a nice lockbox to keep your axe and your doors. If you mm-hmm. think about it, Alexa may help you with that that little camera thingy, mabobber doorbell thing. Little ring. Yeah. I would never buy one of those. Neither no. would I. I'm too paranoid. Me too. That's why I won't have like an Alexa in my house. Because I feel like it's going to hear everything. They're going to hear about me talking about what happened Friday night. <laughs> and then they're going to go tell all of their other friends. It's like, here you huh. go. You're Lisa did? No, we did not. <laughs> Alexa food. headquarters. Everyone's well, just Well, let me shit. just tell you, <laughs> Linda. Oh, who's the other one? There's Alexa. Cortana. Cortana. Well, let me just tell you, Siri. Let me just tell you what happened. There you go. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of, or the new episodes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for what's to come. My hellhounds want to come inside. So I want to wish everybody a farewell. And thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for our episode on the Bunny Man Bridge. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. There's not a lot of evidence, but I'm going to make up some really cool theories to go along with it. Did he have a kink too? <laughs> Into the bunny ears and the bunny tail? Um, there's a lot of different occurrences. So either he... That's not it a was, no. Hold on. So it's either a man dressed up in a bunny suit, like a full-on bunny costume... But there are other accounts that he was dressed up in an actual suit with a bunny head. 
and he was going around killing people with a hatchet. Ah, the the bunny and the bear. That's all I'm thinking about. The bunny and the bear. The bunny and the bear. You don't know no. that band. You don't know that band. Oh my god. Okay, homework. Look up the bunny and the bear if you like metal music. He wears a bunny mask. You heard the man. Do it. All right, guys. This is Lisa signing out. I want to thank our guest Zach. Don't forget to subscribe to our Instagram at Murder on the Four Twenty. Um, I'm also going to start putting up things on our YouTube channel, which you can just look up Murder on the Four Twenty Express. Um, and remember to like, share, and subscribe. And if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, or whatever the fuck have you, just leave them in the comment box down below. Or you can message me on Instagram, and you never know, your questions or comments may end up on air. So I want to thank every single one of you guys for listening in and tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Bye!